Hi there, and welcome to Sound Advice on Own Your Power Radio. I'm Andrea Stewart, the Managing Attorney at RKE Law Group. With me today are two of our other lovely associates. Hi, this is Attorney Michelle Suarez. And hi, I'm Attorney Elena Robinson. And we are three female attorneys at an all-female-owned law firm called RKE. Uh, that stands for Reyes Contos at Eric. Uh, thank you for being here with us today, ladies. We're going to have a really good time. Um, but just as a recap, uh, last week we talked about some of the legal nightmares and the biggest mistakes that people make when hiring a lawyer. Um, what do you think some of those mistakes are? What can people do to avoid some of those mistakes, Michelle? I definitely think people need to ask about referrals and talk to their family and friends and see if they've had any personal experiences with an attorney they've worked with. Yeah. Yeah, we talked a lot about that last week. Uh, Another thing I always uh, suggest to people is that you should definitely do your homework on on the firms that you're going to be visiting. Most firms will offer you a free consultation or a consultation um, at a minimal cost. Um, And so before you go there, you want to have your questions prepared. You want to check out their website, check out the attorneys. Um, Another good place to go is the Florida Bar website. Um, That's a really good place. Um, how do you, how do you search for attorneys on the Florida Bar website, Elena? You can go to floridabar.org, and the Florida Bar provides you with a list of attorneys that are referred to um, just the masses, depending on what practice area um, those attorneys mm-hmm. are are working in. Right, right. Yeah, that's a really good place to start, also. So hopefully, uh, yeah, last week's show will help you to avoid some of those legal uh, nightmares and. Uh, and, and, and getting the, the wrong attorney. Um, one of the things I, wanted, I pointed out last week during that show was that, um, quite frankly, I believe that most attorneys are good attorneys, you know, that um, people go to law school for a really long time. They plan on being in these careers. Um, it takes a lot of hard work and dedication uh, to do that. And so um, there are not very many. I don't believe that there are as many um, bad attorneys as the jokes and the the rumors are, um, you know, it it stands. It's like a big joke. But it only takes a few bad apples to ruin the whole bunch. And I kind of think that, you know, attorneys get a bad rap um, in that they're not really, we're we're not that bad. I agree, Andrea. I totally agree with you. I think um, overall, most attorneys have really good professionalism and ethics. And I think that needs to be appreciated more by people and noted in the media. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing about that is that, listen, uh, attorneys do a really good job of policing themselves. There is the Florida Bar uh, that um, you can always report unscrupulous or unethical behavior uh, that you believe to be. Um, we're really good about policing ourselves. So don't be too, too afraid to get out there and um, know that you're probably going to uh, be dealt with in a very professional and ethical manner um, and by a, a, a really good profession, I think. Um, and then you can always just come to RKE if you're, if you're worried about <laughs> That's right, Andrea. <laughs> Nothing but professional and ethical women there. Yeah, we are. I really love being there. Um, so this show, we're going to be talking about um, not the biggest mistakes, but the world of bankruptcy. Okay, um, we're going to be talking about bankruptcy as it stands today. You know, ne- bankruptcy has a negative connotation, but in today's economy, um, it's one of the best tools, I think, um, uh, you can utilize to get your finances uh, straight 
Um, so we're really looking forward to um, giving you guys some good information about that. I think um, we're going to first introduce uh, these two lovely associates to you. will get a little bit more personal information from them. Um, but that's all when we return. And then we will also be giving you some great advice um, about bankruptcy and how to utilize that to get your finances in order, to get a fresh start, um, and to just, um, yeah, have overall uh, better financial health. So we will be right back on Sound Advice, Own Your Power Radio. I'm Andrea Stewart. Michelle Suarez. Elena Robinson. All right, come back and join us. Michelle Suarez and Elena Robinson. <laughs> Yay! Uh, so, um, before we get into bankruptcy, which is really what we want to talk to you about and give you all some uh, really good information on, on uh, this this tool that you can use for financial uh, health, um, thought that it'd be good for you to get to know our other associates a little bit better. So, why don't we start with you, Michelle? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where were you born and raised? I was born and raised right here in Miami, Florida. Ooh. I am a South Florida native. <laughs> uh, left for a couple years, lived in Puerto Rico, came back, and I'm happy to be home. Yay. We're happy to, that you're back, too. So how did you become an attorney? Why did you become an attorney? Uh, I've always wanted to be an attorney. When I was a young girl, I used to watch a show, which I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember, but it's called Night Court. And I always used to see the judge on there, and mm-hmm. I used to say, Mom, I want to be the judge. <laughs> And my mom would tell me, no, Michelle, you can't be the judge because first you have to be an attorney. So <laughs> then I said, okay, mom, well, then I want to be an attorney. And that kind of stuck, and it never left me. So since about, I'd say about seven or eight years old, I've wanted to be an attorney. Wow, you really dated yourself on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So you've been an attorney now um, for... Officially eight months. Um, I was uh, past the bar last year. Uh, I've been with RKE since, well, technically I've been with RKE since January of last year as a law clerk and as an associate officially since August of last year mm-hmm. with you lovely ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been great. I love it there. It feels like family, feels like home, and I love what we've built there. Yeah, we do have a really good culture. Um, one of the things that contributes to that culture is that we're all female-owned firm, um, and so it does feel like it's a lot of female-centric um, it revolves around us, um, and and that feels just natural. It more does. natural for us. Own your power, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Own your power, Miss Elena Robinson. Yes. How are you? I'm great, Andrea. Good. Good to see you today. Go ahead and tell us um, a little bit about yourself. Well, I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I went to school in D.C., so I was in Washington D.C. for four years. Um, decided to go to law school, and I went to UF, so I lived in Gainesville. 
and then moved back down to South Florida because I love South Florida. <laughs> and now I'm here at RKE. Yay. Who doesn't love South Florida? I um, just love it here. But um, Elena actually has a, uh, I always say you have the legal pedigree. <laughs> <laughs> what is that, Andrea? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you come from a legal family, a uh, family of attorneys. I know I was the first attorney in my family, but that's not the case with you, is it? No, I grew up inside of a courthouse, <laughs> running around up and down the stairs. So born I, and I bred. Born and bred in a courtroom. And what does that mean? What do you mean you're born and bred in the courtroom? Well, my mom has been a judge for over 20 years. Wow. Probably over 25 years. And my dad's a judge as well. Mm. And so I was just brought up in the law. <laughs> <laughs> really good, really good. I just love that. I love that, um, you know, bringing, uh, um, being a kid, just thinking of that, that, yeah, you would go to your your uh, parents' work and your um, their workplace would be the courtroom. No wonder you're always so comfortable there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Probably the most fearless person in the courtroom you'll ever meet. Ever meet. Very comfortable in the courtroom. <laughs> it's like a second home. <laughs> Yeah, and whenever we go to with you, it's always so amazing how many people just come up to you like we can't get out of the courthouse. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's like, Elena, how'd you mm-hmm. watch yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah, let's go argue now, Elena. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's old, old home week and uh, when Elena's around. Cool. So how long have you been practicing? What was the first area that you, um, maybe your first job? I've been practicing now for, in August will make six years. Mm-hmm. And my first job was as a public defender. So I did criminal law um, primarily a great deal of my practice. And once I moved to RKE, I started doing civil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a pretty good um, um, variety of laws that we um, that we practice that we believe all complement one another, um, as well as utilizing um, the particular skills that each of the attorney brings to the table, um, not to, um, definitely not to ignore um, the vast experience, amount of experience that the three partners have also um, as bankruptcy attorneys and other civil areas. So, yeah, we, we do a lot of good stuff. Do you like being an attorney? Absolutely. I love being an attorney. I think it's the best job in the world. Well, maybe not the best job in the world. My sister's a firefighter. She's got a pretty good schedule. (laughs) But um, maybe the second best job in the world. I love what we do. We get to help people. We get to learn all the time. Our job is constantly learning. Um, It's not, you know, it goes beyond just the hours in the workplace. You take it home, you think about it. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It teaches you to think very logically. Yeah. I, I know for me, like, uh, especially if we have listeners out there and you have kids who are really busy, who are, who are really, you know, quick mouth, and you, you, you may be saying they're really smart mouth little kids, you know, and, and they're, they always have a real quick response and, are there, and they're always thinking, you know, uh, new ways of saying things. Um, you might have a future attorney. And, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I can imagine how many times my mom said that to me. <laughs> right? And still, you're such an attorney. <laughs> you're such a smart mouth. Yeah. <laughs> And always talking. I know I was always in trouble for always talking in, in class. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I Chatty tend to, Kathy. We're, we're pretty much type A personality people. So if you have any of those in your house, you might just have a future attorney. But my point about that was that um, it's very engaging. It continuously, the law continuously um, engages the mind. Like It keeps me busy. Um, I can start reading just a little couple of briefs and, and just really get into it. It's really nerdy. It is. It is. I think every attorney is definitely a self-admitted nerd. 
Um, I, I think we're to cool deny nerds, that, so yeah, cool we are, we are cool nerds. I, well, I will say at our firm, the, th- the six women there specifically are pretty cool nerds. <laughs> we're pretty cool nerds. I know. I, we Trendy. Sh- we could go on uh, the Big Bang Theory. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You would be Sheldon. Uh, oh be Sheldon? no. Who would be Sheldon? <laughs> uh, I don't, you know, I'm not going to volunteer that one. <laughs> that would be great. So anyway, um, yeah, uh, as far as me, um, I grew, I was born and raised here in South Florida, also um, a little bit further up, up in Boynton Beach and Delray Beach. Um, but then um, I moved away probably about 18, 19, just about. Um, I was in the Air Force. I was about to say, Andrea, tell us what you did, because we know. <laughs> I was. I was in the Air Force. I actually copied Morse code. I had a top secret SCI clearance. Yes, she did. Mm-hmm. I used to spy. I would tell you more, but then I'd have to probably kill all of you. <laughs> uh, and then after that, um, I actually, I was stationed in Alaska, um, which was really a cruel joke that Uncle Sam played on me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, Cold much? Mm-hmm. Careful what you wish for, because when I was a kid, all I ever wanted to do was see snow. Like, one of the things I wanted to see was snow. I just was like couldn't believe it. I just want to see it and I never got an opportunity to first opportunity was in Alaska you know? oh I'm sure you got plenty of opportunities you moved there. to the extreme climate <laughs> after Alaska it was more than extreme but isn't that so Andrea one extreme or another and where'd you go after that Andrea where'd you end up after Alaska I went to Hawaii like any normal person would after Alaska <laughs> so yeah I've lived like the last 18 years in um, Alaska I mean in Hawaii so aloha and um, had a really good time there. And that's where I went to law school, undergrad and to law school was the University of Hawaii. So I think we all bring a, a lot of different um, diversity for sure. Diversity. Life experiences. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that definitely helps us to be uh, better attorneys. Speaking of life experiences, there are some life experiences that will bring you to uh, the realization that perhaps you may want to consider bankruptcy. So. Absolutely. Andrea, why don't you tell us what are the uh, different chapters in bankruptcy that are the consumer should consider? Right. If you are a consumer, if you're you know just a private individual, uh, not a business, um, there are two chapters in particular and two chapters that we um, practice at RKE, and that's a chapter seven um, and a chapter 13. And what's the difference between that, Andrea? Well, uh, chapter seven, I always like to say that the difference is um, so that people can get a, a sort of a visual. A chapter seven is sort of like a sledgehammer. It's going to knock out all of your debt. Okay, just get rid of everything. Oh, I like that, Andrea. It makes it a lot easier to remember. <laughs> right. It's a sledgehammer. Although, And then on the other hand, a chapter 13 is like a scalpel, um, whereby you're going to cut out uh, some of the things that you just want to get rid of, like unsecured debt and keep some of the other things, such as secured debt. Okay, so let's talk about Chapter 7 more in detail. Yeah. So one of the main things that you want to know about a Chapter 7 is that um, whether or not you're going to choose a Chapter 7 is going to be your income level. Um, The very first uh, threshold that you have to get over clear for a Chapter 7 is, uh, do you meet the income uh, requirement? Basically, you can't make too much money. 
Um, before I even tell you all of that, it's it's like basically when you come to to chat to bankruptcy, you're saying to the court that listen, I am having some difficulties with my bills uh, and my debts, and I need help paying them. So in a Chapter 7, you can understand, you can't come to the court and say, I'm having a hard time paying my, my bills, yet you make $100,000 you know, a year, and you're a single person. Uh, the court, that's not going to fly. So there is a, a, a thresh, there's a, a income ceiling uh, that you can't exceed, um, and that varies depending on how many people are in your household. Um, for instance, if you're a single person, just one person in your home, you can't make more than about $41,000. And that's in Florida, right? That's here in Florida, and in South Florida in particular. Um, and if you have two people, say you and, and a dependent or you and a spouse, um, it goes up just a little bit. Um, the numbers um, are pretty set, but th uh, that would be about 43000 for a household of two. And so it goes up little by little, but it never gets to a place um, really where you could be making a lot of money and you're t still wanting to get rid of your debt. So other than income, what other considerations are necessary for a Chapter 7? In a Chapter 7, most like most uh, typical people that file for Chapter uh, 7 are having income issues. They're not making a lot of money, and yet they have a lot of debt. So one of the things that, you can, the things that most people come to the table trying to get rid of is uh, credit card bills, uh, credit card debt. Um, any unsecured debt that you have, um, such as credit cards, uh, medical bills, um, those types of things, revolving credits uh, that you may have with other things, um, you can get rid of in a Chapter 7. Um, you can also get rid of, uh, say, uh, secured debt, uh, deficiencies. Um, you know, a lot of people um, experience foreclosures. Uh, you may have gotten a final judgment and your home was sold, but the bank will still come after you for those deficiencies. Um, the deficiency is the amount that you still owe um, even though the, the bank took the house. So um, you can get rid of that in a Chapter 7 as well, as long as you meet that income um, threshold. Um, I think it's really important that people know that um, when you come to bankruptcy, um, the court is going to look back about six months um, on paper uh, to figure out what your income level is, um, as well as um, what your debt what your debt. Uh, sort of looks like in that it's a snapshot of the last six months. So would you say it's wise to plan in advance for bankruptcy? Exactly what I'm saying. You have to uh, consider that. Let's say you're a school teacher, for instance. If you're a school teacher and you're not working during the summer months, um, if you come to us to file bankruptcy, say, in October, uh, you know, in September, it's going to look as though in the last six months you made a lot less money than perhaps if you came to us in, say, uh, March, because when you look back, then you would have had that full income, because most teachers are off during the summer months, you know. So that's going to be a big consideration about whether or not you meet that, that income level. So you definitely want to be considering that. Another thing you want to be thinking about is, are you taking large sums of money out of one account and moving it? Because the court will look to see that. Now, that's only on paper, but the court will also inquire about two years back Okay, so um, they're going to ask you under oath, have you actually, have you given away anything of any value? Have you paid back any friends or families in like the last six months? So, you know, you, you really want to pr uh, plan, know what's going on, um, what the court is going to be looking at so that you can, um, you can use this tool um, as, to its, its fullest degree without having to pay back too much money. So considerations to take in are income levels, 
when you file, timing it right, and making any transfers six months prior, maybe even up to two years prior before you consider Chapter 7. Right, right. And um, another misconception that people have coming into bankruptcy is that uh, you're going to, you can't have anything. Uh, you, you're going to have to get rid of everything. Um, it is true that you will have to get rid of probably most of your credit cards um, if you're filing a Chapter 7, um, but you are allowed to keep your car, um, for instance, um, and if you're current on your house payments or if it's paid in full, you're allowed to keep that also in a Chapter 7. Um, oh, wow. Didn't know that. Yep, absolutely. Um, what happens, however, is that the court will, you are allowed certain exemptions, okay? And what I mean by that is a car. You're allowed to have a car, and the court will say $1,000 of that is exempt from, um, from, from, you're just exempt 1000 So, uh, for example, if you have a car and it's worth $2,000, then you're over-exempt 1000 Wow, that sounds complicated. And that's why you need an attorney. And that's why you need Andrea. <laughs> exactly. So tell us more about Chapter 13. Chapter 13 is really good. It's a little bit more complex, and so you do need to come in, and, and there's no way for us to, to give you a comprehensive understanding of it. But it is used most likely if you're trying to keep a property and you're behind on your mortgage payment um, and you're trying to keep it. Um, that's usually why you do it because a Chapter 13 is a repayment plan. It's how you, you can catch up. Um, that's called a cure. Um, let's say you were behind four months, six months on your house payments. You always have the ability to come into bankruptcy and continue, say, four months, you were behind, then you got a new job, and now you make your money again, and you can start making your current payment. In a Chapter 13, you would begin to make your current payment along with a little bit um, of what you what you um, are in arrears on, okay? So you add that to your current payment. Um, as that you can tell, that sounds like, for some people, that's nearly impossible to do. Um, if you couldn't make your current payment, you know, how are you going to be able to add a little bit to it? Um, so there are ways to kind of reduce some things. There's also a new LMM program in Chapter 13. Yes, very exciting stuff, especially here in Florida. Tell us more about the LMM program. <laughs> the LMM program is basically a, a way to uh, modify your loans. You practice foreclosure, both of you, right? Yes. In foreclosure, and so... Um, what about modifications and foreclosure? Uh, I think I can definitely say that modifications are being seen a lot less than they were maybe about six months ago. What do you think, Elena? I believe so as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Banks are not working with us the way that they used to. Um, but on the other hand, the loss mitigation mediation program in bankruptcy is a great option for people that have not seen their modifications through to fruition in foreclosure. Mm -hmm. Now they have an option through bankruptcy that still gives them that opportunity. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Actually, Andre, I wanted to ask you, what are some of the, um, what do you believe, like the social stigmas that were associated with bankruptcy a while ago, are those stigmas still applicable today? And what do you um, have to say to people who are considering bankruptcy? Right, right. Great oh, point, great point. Yeah, that's a really great point and for our listeners. And listen, um, previously, uh, bankruptcy was seen as like the pariah of your your financial health that, you know, it's going to stay on you and it's going to haunt you forever and you'll never get credit again, never be able to buy a house again. And that's just... Tell them what you always tell everyone, Andrea, because <laughs> I just love it. That's just not true. It's just not true for... Um, tell them who's filed before. 
I'll tell you about it. Uh, but <laughs> well, I do know the city of Detroit filed bankruptcy. <laughs> and so that lets you know that when an entire city um, has to file bankruptcy, that this is no longer one of those, um, you know, bankruptcy is no longer in the closet and only to be used by those, you know, who were just reckless or irresponsible or anything like that. We're going through an economy that we had never seen before. Most people had never seen before. Um, the decline in, 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 in industry, um, in in so many different areas really brought the United States itself to its knees uh, so that they're now... Oh, I got chills. Exactly. And we'd never seen that before. Thank goodness um, the economy is back on the rise on the men's. But still, there's a lot of residual effect from what the, what happened during that time. And that's where bankruptcy comes in. I believe bankruptcy is one of the best protections we have as United States citizens. It's, one, it's the law that says that there is a component of redemption within the law. I like that. I love that. Second chances. A second chance. You are you're allowed to make some mistakes, some financial mistakes, and yet the law says that you can come and say, listen, I made some mistakes, but I'd like a fresh start. And through bankruptcy, you can get that fresh start. So I believe it's one of the best protections we have. It is your absolute lawful and legal right as a United States citizen to say, listen, I can't afford my debt any longer um, and and in the pursuit of happiness, <laughs> can can we start over? So would you almost say it's it's really being a financially responsible citizen to say, you know what, I've gotten in over my head, I want to start over again, please help me out because I do want to be a responsible citizen. Absolutely. I believe it is far more responsible for you to come um, and, and lay out all of your debt and, all, and, and your financial picture all on the table and say, listen, what can we do about this? Rather than dodging and dipping, you know, um, creditors, you know, phone calls and, and just not paying um, and allowing your credit to take that hit every single month for delinquent payments, you know, um, bankruptcy. Uh, once you come into bankruptcy, you're no longer going to be late. When, if you get that debt discharged, we get it discharged and you're no longer late in that pull on your credit that had been happening prior to that is no longer happening. So your credit can immediately start to rebound. So in that way, uh, bankruptcy is an amazing tool. I really like it for women who are trying to start over um, just to get rid of debt, get a fresh start. So most importantly, you want to check uh, with a bankruptcy attorney. You want to come in. It's not something that you just automatically can file. You definitely don't want to do it pro se. And get a good uh, attorney like RKE. You heard it here on Sound Advice. On Own Your Power Radio. We'll be right back with Andrea Stewart, Elena Robinson, and Michelle Suarez. Sound advice on your power radio. Okay, um, let's dive right into the discussion <laughs> we were just having on the break since it was going so well. <laughs> I always let people know that listen, 
you, uh, people feel ashamed and they feel like, oh my goodness, I've done this horrible thing. I have to come to bankruptcy. Um, there's this sort of stigma attached to bankruptcy and it's just not so. And one of the things I like to tell people and remind them that, listen, Donald Trump filed bankruptcy <laughs> several times and that's how he became Donald Trump today. If it were not for bankruptcy, Donald Trump would not be Donald Trump the way that we know okay, him today. And, and, and we just want the audience <laughs> to be clarifying the fact that Donald Trump, as an individual, did not, did not personally file, yeah, file. Not personally his business. Filed bankruptcy. His business under filed yeah, bankruptcy. most likely under Chapter Eleven. And listen, I believe <laughs> I, I just don't care about that clarification because Donald Trump's business is Donald uh, Trump. Uh, what <laughs> it does do is it, it allows everyone the opportunity to say, look, whether or not you're personally filing or filing under your business, absolutely, bankruptcy might be um, an option for you to become financially. Yeah, stable. especially small business owners. You know, uh, that's another area. RK is expanding into, you mm-hmm. know, small business owners. That's something that you want to consider. Bankruptcy reorganization as well. But exactly. since the topic of our discussion today <laughs> is personal experiences, Andrea, why don't you well, tell I us? I personally want Donald Trump to come on down here and tell us. <laughs> well, he's real close by. We are in Doral. Just pa- what is that, a golf course I just passed? Trump International. You know what? Talking about Donald Trump. a nice Trump. golf course. The other day, I went over. I live close. In, I live in Aventura, so I drove over the causeway, and I was on, uh, on. Don't tell me you saw Dennis Rodman again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Andre has a, um, a habit of seeing Dennis Rodman and, and running into and him, running into him, and and it's horrible. telling him to hurry up in the grocery line. It was horrible, <laughs> literally. Me and me we want him as a client of RKE. Yes, we no, do. We Dennis Rodman, if you Rodman. are listening, we are waiting for you to come in. You need our services. I gave him my card. <laughs> But I'm telling I was like, listen, Dennis, I see you. I see you. Okay? <laughs> Me and you are going to have a problem. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> but anyway, I rode over to the beach, and I was just riding my bike over there. And I go to this little pizza place at this strip mall. And so I wanted to check in, um, you know, on Facebook, check in at the pizza place or whatever. So While you're riding your bike, getting exercise. No, I was eating pizza. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That bridge is really big. I when believe I, you. When I, got I just over, think it's ironic. I had a beer and a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> you pulled in the lane. I work. What is it? Uh, you always tell me. Uh, oh, forget it. I'm going to mess it all up. Tell, well, anyway, tell me, Andrea. Then I had to. I, that's not the point, Michelle. So I was sitting <laughs> the there. I went to check in. Pizza. I went to. I went to check in, and it came up the place across the street. You know how it'll come up a lot of different businesses, and right. it came up Donald Trump International Resort. So I just pushed that one as though I was there. <laughs> I checked in at Donald Trump uh, International. Isn't Resort. that great that you can do that? Social media is amazing. <laughs> I know. I'm living the life that I'm not living. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love the life. <laughs> so speaking of people living the life they're not really living and debt and people living above their means, give us some stories of some great turnaround experiences you've personally seen in bankruptcy. Well, they're all kinds. And I tell you, one of the best things I love about bankruptcy is a lot of times you have clients who are coming in, uh, let's say a PIP uh, attorney is dealing with someone who's hurt and you're going after some other person who's caused that harm. Um, Or even in in family law, you're talking about people going against one another, um, a husband and a wife or, you know, uh, the spouses. Um, In most areas of law, there is it's somewhat adversarial um, where you're going after someone. I love bankruptcy because there is no necessarily bad guy, okay? So when clients come, they are coming because they are trying to help themselves. And so it's all about how can we help you to get that fresh start. Um, when, you, when you're dealing with clients who are looking for relief and you know that within about two months they're going to get that relief, 
Um, it just makes me, I just, I, I love my job as a bankruptcy attorney because that's what I get for people. People have been struggling for years with credit card debt, with medical problems. Um, as a matter of fact, last, just uh, last month I went to, um, I have a client who has a condition and she has a lot of medical bills and she's finally getting better and she's about to start working again. She's able to, to get a job now and everything. Um, and she had this condition that continuously um, landed her in the hospital, and so she had all of these medical bills, you know. And so, when you think about all those bills that you have to pay back, yeah, and people feel like they're drowning. Like you're drowning. Like, what's the point in even going? There on? is help. Yeah, there's no incentive for you to, you know, try to get a job and get better if you know that you're just going to be working to pay back bills. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people out there right now that maybe don't qualify for health insurance or can't afford it, and they're stuck with all these medical bills, mm -hmm. bankruptcy would be a great option for someone like that. A really great option, especially at a point when you think that you're about to start, your situation is about to change. And remember what we said about that timing. You don't wait till you get the million-dollar job and right. say, I want to get rid of the Right, because then the bankruptcy court's going to look at you <laughs> like, well, what are you doing here? You can afford to right. pay this. you can afford to pay your bills. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I really believe... Um, in being fiscally uh, responsible um, in managing your money and, and doing the things that are necessary so that you can pay your bills on time um, and that you don't get into this situation. So certainly we're not advocating that you just run out there and, 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 and amass a, a great deal of debt. Um, but the reality of the, of the uh, situation is that we, like I said before, we are in this economy that we had never seen before. And people who had been on jobs for 20 years, you know, for a long period of time were laid off, you know, and foreclosure. Um, we never seen foreclosures in the amounts that were filed by the banks, you know. Absolutely. And now, you know, there's this big thing going around that foreclosures are uh, starting to wind down, but really it's just ending up in bankruptcy court because mm -hmm. now all these people are wandering around with all this debt. And what people don't know is that a year ago, the Florida legislature passed a new law that allows the banks to come after you within one year after that final judgment. Mm -hmm. So you can't just sit on these things. You do need to consider bankruptcy as an option to, if you do have that deficiency, right? Exactly. To get rid of that deficiency. Um, speaking, I, I would say this is a little off topic, but definitely um, still in line with financial uh, issues. Um, we talk about foreclosures and how there had never been that many foreclosures, um, such a mass amount filed um, against, you know, so many people countrywide. Um, but here, particularly, Florida was, you know, one of the hardest hit. Absolutely. And, and part of that was mostly because the banks, um, well, it, there was a bubble. And basically that meant that people were, the, the, the land prices were increasing much faster than what we know that land prices traditionally increase at. Um, just for example, you buy a house this month for, you know, $50,000 and then we're going to flip it and we're going to sell it in two months for, right. you know. It was artificial inflation. Exactly, $75,000. That is not natural. And so I bring that up to say that, you know, that's how we all ended up with all this, this debt and foreclosures because when the bubble bursts, you're stuck with a note that says that the house is worth 300000 and really it's only worth a hundred. Speaking of bubbles, so we know that um, <laughs> the foreclosure crisis was the first bubble. I would say the second bubble would be, what is it, law students, former law students? <laughs> Student loans. Student right. loan debt. Student loan. <laughs> I, think everyone, I think every person who's been to school is uh, probably in this boat. Right absolutely. I, yeah, I think we can all personally uh. attest to that. And now let's talk about student loan debt and bankruptcy. Uh. Go ahead, Andrea. Chime in. Chime in. Uh. <laughs> 
here's a here's a rule. Here's a rule about. Uh, I know we just saw some articles about this. <laughs> here's a rule about <laughs> debt and what's dischargeable in bankruptcy and what and is not. not. Okay, <laughs> I think the rule is pretty bright and clear. The government. Okay, I mean, the federal government, the federal legislature will allow you to get rid of anybody's debt whatsoever, for the most part, um, as long as it didn't come from some type of criminal um, negligent where you purposely hurt someone, so on and so forth. You can't get rid of that debt. Um, But any other debt that you owe someone else, you can get rid of, except any debt you owe to the government. Which is what most student loans, unfortunately, are Isn't that ironic? Now, we are hoping for some (laughs) legislative changes, I think, right? And we are definitely all following very closely and hoping that that does come about. And I do do see it on the forefront. Yeah, I definitely see it. But right now, it's just not something that's happened yet. Exactly. And it hasn't, the government is, uh, we're going to have no choice but to go ahead and address that because too many people are struggling with student loan debt um, in astronomical And it should be dischargeable or at least considered to be dischargeable in bankruptcy. Exactly. But it's not. Um, And like I said, the line is if you, if you owe the government, you're probably, that's not dischargeable debt, such as um, if you're back on taxes, IRS uh, taxes. Now there's a way to get rid of some of the penalties attached to um, IRS debt. But if you, the actual tax that you owe, um, you're, you're going to have to pay. There is a way for you to work out a payment plan um, with the, the IRS and uh, Chapter 13 allows you to kind of um, come up with a plan so that maybe the monthly payments are within your, your means, but you are going to have to right. pay that debt back. Kind of like the student loans. They the do have income pace repayment that the government offers for free. I think it's studentloans.gov. Exactly. Um, I do know that uh, private student loans that aren't owned by the government, that would be something they would want to consider in bankruptcy. If But there's, I know a lot of students don't have that. Most of their loans are with the government. Most loans are with the government. Um, there is also one of the outs is that if you happen to have gone to a school that the government uh, it does not classify as like an accredited school, um, and there's a definition, and it's very technical. Um, that debt might also be dischargeable. Let's say you attended a school to be a sushi chef, and you got student loans to to pay for it. Um, the school that you went to might not have been what the government considers one of those accredited schools that are um, eligible for student loans. And even though you got it at the time because of you know just being a student. Um, there might be a way to go back. And those and are some expensive schools, so that's definitely something. Well, I never been school for a sushi chef. Have you? No, I I, I, <laughs> I like. Sushi. I have not, but I know that um, you know, there's a lot of vocational programs out there right. that charge a lot. Right. Uh, there's a lot of things out there. So, yeah, there's a lot of different things you want to look at. Um, I have a question. Mm-hmm. What happens when uh, a couple? is together. They're going through the foreclosure process. I know that, you know, the three of us have seen this um, in our particular cases where we work at RKE. And halfway through, they've just had it off, had it all, you know, they can't take it anymore. They end up in divorce. And now they want to go to bankruptcy and modify their loan. Mm-hmm. Let's say one of them is on the note, um, but the other one isn't. What happens right. now? Well, first, I think I've, I forgot to even answer your question before about the LMM program. And yes, there is a new modification program within bankruptcy. Um, people are very excited about that. Uh, in fact, the numbers, um, which aren't uh, scientific or anything like that. But I'm hearing from the trustees um, that there's an 85% success rate within bankruptcy for modifications. So if you that's were not... That's pretty high. That's pretty high. You know, um, if you weren't able to get one in, say, uh, in foreclosure, 
Um, you have a second you, shot in bankruptcy. You have another shot to try again in bankruptcy. And so um, the success rate is pretty good, probably because it's in a federal uh, court and um, federal procedures are and judges and all that are, are it's just a tighter ship. Definitely. Uh, than Definitely. say in state court. Right. So. Um, but back to what you were asking as far as can you modify a loan, um, depending on who is on the note. Um, women um, in particular, I think, um, need to be very um, aware of the fact that if you purchase a property, a homestead property, while you're married, then your name, both names, automatically go on to the mortgage. Uh, no one can separate your interests from your homestead property. So your name will be on the mortgage. Then there is the note, okay? Now the mortgage is about the house. The note is about the debt, okay? So the note may just be in the, the, the spouse that, that makes the most money and the spouse that has the best credit. So it may not have them both on there. It may not have both of them. It has to have both people on the mortgage, uh, both spouses on the mortgage, but that's not so. The note is about who was financially able to pay, repay, the money uh, for the house, okay? So that if you are married and then you decide to be get divorced, your husband left you with the kids in the house, um, and then you end up in foreclosure, you may be in for a big shock that the bank will not modify, may not modify your loan because you're not on the note. So basically what you're saying is both parties would have to be involved in that modification. So right. if your spouse just runs off, you may have a problem on your hands. You're going to have a problem. And we've seen that happen so many, uh, a few times at RKE, and it's really heartbreaking. And so I really suggest that uh, women check out, all, all, that everyone, um, for that matter, um, check out and see, are you, are you on the mortgage? Uh, you probably are, but are you also on the note? Because if you need anything modified, and the banks are modifying loans to allow people to, uh, you know, step back into their, sh their shoes. They call these uh, step step up loans um, that's going on now, um, and that allows you to just step back into your shoes, um, start paying your payments again, um, their regular payments, maybe at a lower interest rate, and um, and, and and just go out move forward with the loan and not have to worry about all of the back payments in order to, to be current. Um, but you can't get that if you have not been able to work it out with your spouse where he could perhaps quick claim deed his interest over to the, 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 um, the but there is still hope, right? Because if, you know, if anything, that's even more important when you would need an attorney so that you could at least make sure that that one spouse that maybe can't modify the loan, that we make sure that that deficiency is taken care of for that particular spouse, right? Maybe um, even through bankruptcy. Yeah, you brought up a really good point. You know, it's terrible that like you can't, you may not be able to modify the loan. You might not be able to say you're the person stepping up saying, hey, I want to, I want to make this right. I want to make it current. Uh, give me an opportunity to do so. Um, and the bank says no, but yet they can still come after you for deficiency. Right. You know, and so it's a catch-22. So you definitely would want to um, then want look to bankruptcy to get rid of that deficiency. And if you do not know if you're on the note and you're out there listening, that's why it's so important that you come see an attorney. This is what we're trained to do. We're trained to identify these legal distinctions to make sure that you know what your rights are, what your options are. You may not even know what your options are, and that's why it's so important 
to consider consulting with an attorney at the very least and see if you do have any options available to you. Absolutely. I, I just really appreciate that we are um, people who are in a profession where we're able to give out this advice. We've studied these things. This is what we do for a living. There can be some very technical terms um, and some um, very technical implications um, of the terms. And so it's really important to come to people who, whose business it is to make some kind of sense of it. And you need not be afraid, you know, um, especially at RKE. Um, we have a very warm uh, staff. We have a very um, family-centric culture, I would say. We are a very close-knit group. Yes, yeah. and we are particularly concerned about some of the issues that, um, as they relate to women. Um, so um, definitely we, we invite you all to come. And men, we're out there for you, too, if you're listening. We are not only <laughs> catering to women. We cater to both. If anything, you come in, you're going to be treated very well <laughs> with yeah. all women, female, uh, mostly women, female firm. Uh, men love coming to our law Oh, firm. yeah, it's they so do. Hilarious. You can see those smiles on their faces. <laughs> they come in. They look like they're in Candyland. I know. All they see is all these women just walking by. Walking yeah, by, walking by. we are a very strong uh, group of women. Yeah, we are. So... Listen, this has been good. I think uh, we got some good information out there to the folks uh, about some um, uh, things to do in bankruptcy. I did want to mention um, that um, that um, when we were talking about the foreclosure um, and how we ended up in this place, um, I would also just like to add a bit of caution um, uh, about the economy and the way it's going now. I don't know if most people out there know, but um, housing prices are going back up at an exceedingly high rate. I'm hearing about 31% in the yeah, last yeah, few they months are. that are going up. And to me, that signifies, and I've been reading a lot of it, uh, other people feel the same way, that we're, we may be in another bubble phrase, you know, that we're creating this artificial um, um, bubble again because the prices are increasing way too fast. So be really, really careful. Those of you who are out there thinking of investing and, and buying things now that the economy is getting better, everybody wants to start buying again, but you really want to be careful and research, um, you know, before making big purchases like that. And I am going to, I'm going to chime in here. Sorry, for Andrea, just mm -hmm. for a second. I do want um, the audience out there listening to know uh, RKE, we have several areas of law that we specialize in, um, foreclosure, bankruptcy, criminal law, family law, uh, business law. If you have any questions about any more information, you can reach us at our website. It's www.rkelawgroup.com. That's R-K-E-L-A-W-G-R-O-U-P.com. Um, our direct line that you can reach us at locally is 954-526-9181. Or our toll-free number is 1-800-610-3696. And please give us a call. We would be more than happy to speak with you and answer your legal questions. Absolutely. We set them up for an appointment and um, come on in and uh, get a consult. Um, we, really, we really are consumer advocates. Um, we are. We give that personal touch. We really want our clients to be aware of some of the uh, issues um, out there as a consumer and, and how to... Um, you know, lead happy lives through um, whatever legal means um, is available. Happy. And happy, that is happy. a recurring theme throughout our uh, <laughs> our law firm. Because I'm, so I'm happy. happy. <laughs> I see Pharrell life. right now. He's dancing right behind us. <laughs> <laughs> like a room with 
Don't make me start. Please. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, thank you all so very, very much for joining us here on Sound Advice. We've had a really, really good time being here today. Um, really hope that you got some good information. And again, if you still have uh, questions, we hope you do, uh, you'll uh, go ahead and contact us um, at the, with the information that Michelle just gave out. Um, visit our website or give us a call. Um, we're always there um, to help um, and to answer any legal questions you might have. Tune back in next week for Sound Advice on Own Your Power Radio. This is Michelle Suarez, Elena Robinson, and Andrea Stewart. Aloha. Aloha. (laughs) 